Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your keeper of monster and mysteries. With me today are Kyle. Hi, I'm Kyle. I play Alvin the Monstrous. Tio. Hi, I'm Tio, and I play Constance the Expert. And Hannah. Hi, I'm Hannah, and I play JR the Crooked. We opened last time in the studio where the three of you had been abruptly confronted by Georgiana's sudden malady and an amnesiac agent Pax at your doorstep. Despite not remembering who they were, Pax was quickly able to diagnose the illness as the wasting disease of the Vercolacus, a plague vampire native to the Balkans. A quick dip into Constance's lore library revealed the disease to be fatal after seven days, and that the only cure was to kill the monster that inflicted it or to transfer it to another person. It's not really a cure. I no. <laughs> it's, it's a, a cure only for one person. Yeah. The three of you immediately set about gathering more information and making preparations to rid Georgiana of the disease. As you notified your friends and allies, you made two more ominous realizations. First, it wasn't just Pax who didn't remember who they were. Stoney had no memory of the agent who had turned his town inside out with their investigation. And second, it wasn't just Agent Pax. No one in the Daylight Society could remember who Kristen was. As everyone converged on the studio to welcome you home, Constance and J.R. did some more research into the Vercolacus. J.R. visited the public library, learning that the monsters were exceedingly rare outside of Greece and the surrounding area. A vision from Brandusa, Constance's boonie, revealed that the creatures could be slain, like most vampires, by removing the head and burning the body. Meanwhile, Alvin went to Kristen's apartment to go check in on her. Just as you all feared, she too seemed to have no idea who she was, nor did she recognize Alvin, which made for a rather awkward and unproductive conversation. <laughs> ultimately, you were <laughs> ultimately, you were forced to leave your number uh, inscribed on a rock. Yeah. Not a note, <laughs> a rock. <laughs> Indelibly. Forever. Uh, in hopes that she might call. As you were leaving, you were overcome with the uncanny sensation that you were being watched. We're going to pick up right there. Okay. Alvin, as you pedal down the streets and through the bike lanes and greenways of firmament, you feel like you are being watched. You can't tell by what, but it always feels like it's just at the edge of your vision. Does anything smell different? It does not. My keen nose... You don't notice any peculiar smells. Hmm. I give Constance another call. Okay. Beep, 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 boop, boop. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. What's up? I'm trying a new thing. Whoa, some energy. <laughs> ring, ring. What's up? What's up? I'm bringing back What's the up? 90s. That's how oh, I Oh, no. <laughs> no. I know this is part of your cultural catch-up with your aunt, but I'm going to say, first of all, VH1, I love the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. We'll do a decent job of helping her. And second <laughs> of all, there are some things that you don't need to teach her about. <laughs> And that... I think that's up to her to decide. Alvin, this is the conversation that you hear in the background <laughs> as yes. you are pedaling yeah. on your bicycle, navigating through traffic while also trying to discern where this utterly strange and alien phenomena seems to be coming from. Can you hear me? 
Can oh, you, hello? Can yeah. you hear me? Yeah. It's Alvin. It's Alvin. Uh, I know. It tells me. The phone tells me. Okay. Well, this is a good step. There's a, I have a feeling of being watched. And uh, <gasps> Kristen wrote that uh, earlier, and now she can't remember who she is. So just... um. Oh, God. You guys know who I am, right? Yes. Alvin, look. Uh, pay attention very closely. You need... Oh, God. You need... Sorry. You, you need... This, this is like being at a bar when you're a youngin. You need to write my address on your arm right now. So that I don't you know have where a pen still. I mean, I'm not going to okay. say it, but you know what I mean. My arm is the rock. Yes. This is getting No, nice. Alvin, don't carve Memento. it into your arm. No, no, no. I carve, no. I carve an Alvin into, I guess, the underside of my arm because it's not covered in fur. Wait, Aww. you're carving yourself into your arm? What did you yeah. say to carve? No. <laughs> My address so that you can get here. That's way more letters. Than your face? So oh, you're doing your name. name in letters. Okay, I thought you were carving a little Alvin into yourself. <laughs> this is, what, this is my self-portrait. This doesn't make any goddamn <clears throat> sense. I know. I had amnesia, like, I don't know who I am, but this looks like me. Why would I? Why, why did this happen? <laughs> or does it? It probably doesn't look like me. Okay, you need you need to put my phone number, carve my phone number, so that I can tell you how to get here. Yeah, I do. I do that on the other arm. So did you write Alvin on one yeah. arm and then my phone? <laughs> yeah, well, I misunderstood the instructions. Also, uh, I pull over to do this because I don't think okay. I can hold a phone oh and carve in my arm while. No, I might have... make you roll to act under pressure if you were still moving. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to try that. <laughs> I am curious because. You do have Immortal, which reduces harm by one. Yeah. And we've played that frequently as sort of fast healing. Mm-hmm. I kind of think if you're trying to carve into your own arm, boy, this is dark. Uh, <laughs> it's going it's, it's to heal up. I it's think gonna, it just heals yeah. back up. Oh, it doesn't no. scar. Yeah. No, it's but, my supernatural uh, healing. God. Tough skin. Constance! Okay, all right. Okay, I tried it. That didn't work. I need a different... Hold on. I look for a brick. Why <laughs> is this a better option than finding a pen and paper? Alvin, you you are pulled over to the side of the road on the sidewalk here. You know, there's a few houses. There's a corner store. And I think there's some miscellaneous things on the, the side of the street that you could mm-hmm. pick up and take. <gasps> yeah. There's a corner store. I'm going to grab something that I can etch the phone number and address as fast as I can. Time is of the essence. I don't know if I'm going to like forget who I am in 10 seconds or if it takes a day. Alvin? Yeah? As you are writing Constance's address into... What what did you pick up? I'm curious. It's town, so there's probably not rocks or things around. So I think he's just going to try to find like a piece of a brick or like (laughs) discreetly pull off a little piece of concrete. (laughs) Fantastic. And and chisel in the, the numbers there. Public works, mm-hmm. not going to be happy. Excellent. So you break off a piece of concrete. <laughs> um, it's an old mining town. This is, you know, back to its roots. <laughs> Alvin, as you are inscribing Constance's phone number into this bit of concrete, I need you to roll to read a bad situation for me. Nine. On a seven to nine, hold one. I have an idea of what I think the biggest threat is. So I guess the, the best question here is, are there any dangers I haven't noticed? Alvin, you're standing on the corner of the street, and I think you finish doing this carving. Mm-hmm. And again, you feel that sensation of being watched. It's stronger now. And you turn to your right to look at the intersection of the street. 
The first thing you notice isn't a physical presence. It's a distortion. A distortion of light, of shadow, of perspective. A field of space where the depth and angle of the objects are wrong in ways that don't make sense. Where the basic tenets of order and geometry have been tossed aside. The more you stare at this intersection, the more it feels like you are looking into an M.C. Escher painting. Mm -hmm. The sheer act of beholding it leaves you dizzy and lightheaded. And as you're trying to perceive this flayed reality, you realize that it is not static. In response to your prolonged gaze, the distortion moves, darting quickly up and to the left without any consideration to the laws of gravity. It leaves a trail of warped perspective in its wake, like a streaky mane of surreal tendrils. And as it moves, you can just barely make out minute flashes of light and color swirling and flickering at the center of the field. That's weird. Uh, I pocket my bit of concrete. Was it going up and to the left away from me? To the extent that you can even perceive it, it appears to have disappeared into, behind, uh, around the corner store. But Mm -hmm. the notion that it even exists in in space in such a way that you can track it like a physical object doesn't quite track. It's ludicrous. It is ludicrous. It was there and it has moved and it is now gone. It is not there as much as it ever was there. Correct. Yeah. I kind of yell out to no one in particular around me. Can't get me that easy. Got a steel trap of a mind. Also, I've seen weird stuff. I met King Arthur. Alvin, as you shout this, several people start to look at you. <laughs> after, after carving into a bit of the wall. Yes, you're definitely drawing some attention to yourself. Uh, as you do this, and as you shout out, a rush of deep, discordant tones that seem to come from every direction all at once rapidly assault your eardrums. It might almost be mistaken for a roar or a scream if it didn't sound so utterly alien. And for several seconds, you are utterly overwhelmed by this oral assault. And then it abruptly stops. Well, if I'm going to forget who I am, best do it with friends, I suppose. I'm just a simple boy. I have no hope of following and investigating this sort of anomaly. So I think Alvin just kind of in a bit of a panic just says sorry to everyone around him and hops on his bike and and tries to tear off back to Constance's as fast as he can. Yeah. You hop on your bike and you peel out, I guess, to the extent that a bicycle can peel out, which is probably not really at all, but- uh, I can make it happen. You hightail it uh, away from this intersection. The feeling, the sense of being watched follows you. That thing that you can't quite see, that you can't quite make out on the edge of your perspective does not abate or lose track of you. Yeah, I think his his only hope is that if it is an entity of some kind and is not currently inside his head, uh, passing over the threshold of Constance's apartment may provide some sort of protection that he doesn't have out here. So you're tearing through town, and as you make your way towards the studio at a breakneck pace, you notice something strange up ahead. At the intersection up ahead of you, there is a wall of darkness. It stands about 30 feet high, and it is blocking the path in front of you. Is it like from building to building? Yes. Are cars coming through it? Yes. As you get closer to it, a car drives right out of it. Only 30 feet high. We've got some buildings here. 
I mean, Alvin is he's primal now in his urge to try to get back to Constance's place. So he may abandon his bike and try to parkour the building to try to get up and over it. 30 feet's a pretty high jump, even for no limits, but I'll allow it. I think if he's, I think if he's got a wall on either side that he can use to kick It's off. wild, but I love it. Give mm-hmm. me a no limits. You bet. Uh, eight. On a seven to nine, there's a consequence. I think a minus one on minus one forward. So tell me about this climb. He's gunning his bike as fast as he can. He sees this 30 foot wall of darkness, which seemingly is only perceivable to him. And so I think he takes one foot, swings it onto the bike and uses the uh, gyroscopic properties of the bike to give himself a kick off, place a foot on the frame of the bike as it's going and try to push off of the bike, loop around on one of the awnings of the shop that's right there, of course. Uh, It's a barber shop. (laughs) And then I think he starts to get a little wolfy as he needs to do this and he Uh kicks his feet into the brick of the building, making small indents that he can get purchase on launch off of that and swing off of uh, iron rot balcony up and clear the 30 foot top of the wall yeah so you perform this this wild acrobatic peter parker maneuver and you go sailing over the top of this wall of darkness as you do you can see beneath you it looks from a sort of top-down perspective not so much like a wall but a sphere Uh that's raised up about 30 feet and you swear as you're sailing over this and towards the other side that you can hear music and specifically the sound of a violin playing. Um, nuts. Um, so I can't, if I'm reading this correctly, I did not clear a wall. I just got, I am soaring over the top of a pitch black solid. <laughs> yes, you are sailing over the top of a, a sphere of darkness. And the uh, parabolic trajectory of my leap has, has me careening probably directly into it. You would guess that you are not going to clear the whole thing. Uh, You are likely to land inside of it, but you do think you're going to get most of the way. Okay. Is there Um, anything you do before you fall in? I think he just kind of curls up in a like safe fall position. He puts his hands around his head, tucks his knees in, and just tries to relax. Okay. So you fall into the sphere of darkness, and I think you hit the ground a bit awkwardly, which causes your minus one forward. So you're mm-hmm. you're not injured, but you're shaken and bruised. Yeah. And as you stand up in this inky black darkness, a spotlight comes on overhead, and you are illuminated. I got up and brush my jeans off. I go, hey, Dorian. The only response that you get is, again, that barrage of deep, low tones that reverberate through your your eardrums and your whole body for mm-hmm. a couple of seconds. You should practice more. <laughs> that was an awful sound. Alvin, give me a roll to read a bad situation. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nope, four. You are struck with a powerful blow in the back. You're going to take one harm and you're going to go careening forward end over end to the edge of the spotlight. And you look behind you to see Cecilia standing with a giant hammer. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, no. Yeah, I know what's happening. Oh, by the way, Quinn, did we recover our harm from the the last adventure? We kind of just got back. You did not. We did not. Okay. But I do ignore one harm, so I think it's still okay. Oof. This is just like something that I have a memory of. Well, hmm. Maybe not you, but somebody. 
Yeah, maybe not me, but but somebody. Yeah, I guess I didn't see Cecilia specifically, did I? You are contemplating this, uh, and as yep. you do, you see Cecilia dressed in in sort of garish, carny clothing, carrying a giant wooden mallet. And after striking you with it, she heaves it up over her shoulder and begins advancing on you. I squint my eyes a little bit. I go, this probably isn't real. And I turn around and I try to run in the direction that I was headed when I careened over most of this. Give me a roll to act under pressure. Okay. Now, Quentin, this is pretty weird. You know, Alvin, this is about as close to the purest <laughs> form of weird that it could possibly be. <laughs> this is about as weird it's as It's about weird as weird get. as it gets. Okay. It's an eight. On a seven to nine, I will give you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. Alvin, I think you have a couple options here. You can take Cecilia head on. You're going to get mm-hmm. hit, but you're pretty sure right. that she's she's like clearly in the way of you escaping based uh-huh. on your recollection. Uh, so you can you can sort of take her head on and you're going to take a hit, but you'll get out just fine. Mm-hmm. You can dodge and weave, but you're going to lose something important in the process. Or you can go a different way, but you're going to risk inviting new danger. Oh, his decision, I think just narratively for Alvin, he is not one to shy away from taking things head on, but also on the off chance that this is actually Cecilia, he doesn't want to hurt a friend. So I think he's he's going to try to get around Cecilia in that direction. And that may be feigning a head-on charge and then kind of juking out of the way. Yeah, so you you charge straight towards Cecilia. She raises the hammer up to strike you, and you bob and weave, and you're able to execute a pretty clever maneuver here. But you do, in the process, I think you do like a, a little roll, and you can feel, and I think probably hear, that rock that you etched your <laughs> phone number into uh-huh. clatter out of your pocket right <gasps> between Cecilia's feet. Yeah, I think I, I think it was only this piece of concrete was only halfway in a pocket anyways. Oh, yeah, it was concrete. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the not rock, rock is back at Kristen's place. Uh, I think Alvin goes, well, shit, uh, but has to keep going. You sprint forward through this darkness, and it only takes a few seconds for you to burst forth on the other side. And you look behind you and see it's just a similar wall of, of pitch black. Hey, Quinn, my, my yeah. bike didn't happen to roll through this, did it? <laughs> no, no, it did not. Nuts. That is, uh, yes, <laughs> that's a narrative consequence of the choices <laughs> that you've made. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, then it's on, then it's on foot. He's just going to keep running and try to just like push this particular phenomenon out of his mind for now because he does not believe that it was real. Alvin, you take off running once again. You're sprinting down the street through intersections, blazing past people and cars and and dodging in and out of traffic as you go, just trying to go as fast as you can because you feel that presence again. And this time, unlike before, where its position was difficult to quantify, you feel it behind you and you can feel it getting closer. If I'm getting close, I think it might be time to turn on the afterburners. Give me a roll, no limits. Putting on a show today, Firmament. Look at this weird guy. (laughs) That is seven plus three is 10. On a 10 plus, you do it. Is there any flash here or is it just you like sprinting as fast as you can? (laughs) Okay, so maybe I I sprint as fast as I can, but there's a couple places where there's a shortcut that would be a little bit longer to take because say there's like a little wooden fence, but I run right through it, leaving an Alvin sized hole. (laughs) 
amazing. Oh, wow. It's like I cut through the cut through the back gardens in one of the Cornetto trilogy movies, but instead of hopping over them, I go right through the middle. <laughs> yes, I, I understand that. <laughs> Alvin, you not parkour. What's the opposite of parkour? <laughs> par through. You par through. You par through for a minute. And you reach the doorstep of Constance's studio and you throw it open. And as you do, you hear that horn one more time, that rush, that cacophony of tones, and you slam the door shut. If you'll allow me, I throw the door open. I hear the sound. I clasp my ears, give out a yell, and just fall inside. Yeah, absolutely. And JR, Constance, and the rest of the assembled Daylight Society look on in shock as you fall heaving into the studio. Alvin, oh my gosh. Alvin, do you know you're Alvin? Alvin? Is the cacophony... It's gone. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I'm just like on the ground and I slowly pull my hands away from my ears. It's like one eye opens. And I go, I I think so. And Alvin assembled ahead of you and uh, Constance and JR, this is the the group that you had had just sort of convened. You were just getting the meeting started. <laughs> you see the Daylight Society. Leon, Cecilia, Jasper, Galvan, and Sarah are there. Uh, it has grown. The Daylight Society's ranks have swelled in your absence. Uh, Jenny and her bandmates are there. Bree is there. <laughs> and Eve is there. Oh, man. We're going to get the whole town. Oh, boy. What a party. Oh, I should add, sorry, in addition to the Daylight Society, Georgiana, Mr. Blue, and Agent Pax are all there as well. Love right, it. Right, right. So it's real crowded in the studio. It's full. It's, full. it's a full house. <laughs> but yes, this is the assembled group. I think from the floor, Alvin points at Cecilia and goes, I knew it! I was right! You were right? What? What? What's going on here? Cecilia is looking around like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what did I do? Nothing. That's the point. You did nothing. I had quite an adventure. I pat myself and I realize, oh, the concrete's gone. Constance, I assume you may have filled in some folks. I met, I found a Kristen. Does anybody remember Kristen? Quinn, I mean, it is a mass of blank faces. Including us? No, Constance and JR, you you still know Kristen. Okay. Okay. But no one else has any recollection. Oh, come on, everybody. Cool. This yep, figured figured as much. Uh, she has no idea who she is either. I left a tasteful note. Uh, Good. But I was followed and chased <gasps> back here by oh, space. I uh, like space. Chased by space? Uh, yeah, it was like if you take space and you put it inside itself and then flip it back inside out again. It's kind of... Alvin, you know, um, did someone no. offer you something on the street and did you take it? Uh, Don't do I drugs. look around at the half-finished paintings around Constance's place. Does any of them look like what I saw? Ooh, oh, interesting. Very good interesting. question. Um, hmm. No. <laughs> I look at the paintings. Uh, none of those. Yeah, it was like a, a weird non-Euclidean tesseract sort of situation. Anyways, it's a presence. You feel it watching you. Great. And I think it preys on memories in some fashion because I ended up back in the hollow circus for a moment. <gasps> oh. And Cecilia was there with her hammer. Do you remember the hammer? I remember all- the hammer. Yeah. Do you remember the hammer? Cecilia is like, vaguely, Yes. And then there I was, because you hit me with the hammer, and I was like, what? No, this all happened before. She wouldn't do that again. 
not our Cecilia, not my good bud. And so I knew I've it was been here you. the whole time. I know, right? Everyone can that's how, that's how I was right. And so I ran away really fast. But it makes a really loud noise. Nobody heard a like blah. Just I'm sorry, uh, can as you, I came in the door, right? Can you describe the noise again? Well, it was like so a, an EDM Okay. Got it. But like like a hundred of those. Oh, that does not sound pleasant. The no, rest of you heard nothing. Here's a question for you, Quinn. Did it stop as soon as I got inside or did it do its normal play and fade out? It stopped as soon as you went inside. That, uh, yeah, big smile. Constance, your wards are working is the good news. Okay. If you don't mind, I might stay here for a little bit. Yeah, probably good. Does anybody have any tea? Yes. I need to... Oh, that was a big, I was running a lot. I need to sit down for a second. I get Alvin tea and then just, I slipped right under the saucer a nail file for him because <laughs> he's probably got a bit of a jagged nail from that whole situation. <laughs> Constance, you put the tea on. Alvin, I think Sarah brings like a blanket over and like wraps it around you and just kind of like gives you a big hug. Uh, she doesn't, yeah. shouldn't say anything. She just holds you. and everyone just kind of waits. Like, I don't think anyone says anything. I think they're waiting to see what the three of you do, what what the three of you say. And honestly, probably if anything bad happens while they're waiting. (laughs) So it's just silent for a while. Yeah. I think Alvin is is quiet for a little bit too, because he's he's been hurt and he's taken harm a lot, but he's kind of used to that and he's taken that a lot. So this was, this feels like a near death situation to him where he almost lost himself. I think I look up and say, have we talked about the plague vampire yet? Nope. No, um, we, we're just We were just started. getting started, Leon says. Boy, it sounds like maybe there's two things going on here. It's usually just one thing. It's great that now there's two things. You know, it's uh, we got a big organization here. So honestly, I think we can handle two things. I think that really speaks to <laughs> the really good community organizing that you've done. I'm very proud of it. And I want to acknowledge that. I see in you just, uh, just a lot of potential sidekick. So I, yeah, I think we can. This is, you know, it's some deputy. It's a, it's a lot, but uh, we can uh, we can handle this, can't we? That's uh, power of positive thinking. I learned a lot when I was gone, including the power of positive thinking. Uh, <laughs> Quinn, Leon what, nods. What all have we gotten up to while Alvin was out fighting the black jelly bean? I believe that we're all caught up time-wise. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, because you went to the library. Your, yeah. Yep. And Constance's uh, seance and your research more or less ran simultaneously with Alvin's experience. Okay. He arrived okay. slightly later than you all, but you all sort of convened with the Daylight Society. You were just about to get started going over what's going on with the Vercalacus. And okay. I think you just finished introductions with Agent Pax, who no one remembers. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I got a question for you, Quinn. If sure. I introduce them to our good friend, did we come up with a code name for them? Blue? No, 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 no. Paxi. Oh. oh. Blue, also blue. Yeah. Also blue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a choice, actually, you probably need to make is whether or not you're going to introduce Mr. Blue, who's currently in disguise as a kindred or as someone else. This is the inner circle, right? It's a big inner circle. It's, it's more of a, a large kind of oval at this point. But why not? Like, the, the more brains mm-hmm. on deck, the better, in my opinion. 
Okay. Yeah. So you've introduced Mr. Blue. Yes. Hannah, what was her question about PAX? Oh, like, say I introduced, first of all, if we come up with a code name for PAX, or are we just introducing like them as PAX? If I had forgotten who I am, I'd kind of want people to tell me the real answer, you know? Like, I, I think we should in- introduce them as PAX, because that okay. is well, who they we'll are. Well, introduce them as PAX. I don't know their first name. We so- can leave off agent. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. They don't know. That bit. I did actually once say their first name, <gasps> which is Lamond. Okay. Lamond Pax. Okay. Lamond Pax. Okay. Go. Let's just go for Pax. We'll just call call them Pax. So my question is, if I introduce Pax to Leon, and then Leon leaves the room, and then Leon comes back, does Leon remember Pax? Ooh, <laughs> do you yes. do a little experiment? <laughs> Testing. Interesting. Uh, yes. Which kind of makes sense. If we remember them, maybe there is some sort of like event. a tether. Yeah, or some sort of event that happened here in the, the human world while we were off in otherwhere. Okay. And so we were not affected. But it's like a one-time event. It's right. not like a- not ongoing. Pax didn't turn into like the silence or whatever. Okay, so, all right. As long as there's sort of a tether, it's a bit of that, if anybody's seen Kogo, the very sad realization that like you have the two deaths the first death is when you die and the second death is when everybody who you know forgets about you yeah mm-hmm. so this is like as long as there's sort of a tether to somebody there is at least a recollection of who that person is now if not a recollection of who they were before the memory got wiped so okay okay, okay. well that's that's useful information that's okay yeah. important question good yeah. experimentation yeah yes yeah and we gotta we gotta know the rules of the game if people are gonna get forgotten. I'm so proud of us. We're not just smashing and grabbing. You we're know? smart. Look at this. We're, we're s- smart. We're only you know. done a little smashing. Yeah. Um, Alvin yeah, raises his hand. I did a little. I did a little. I did a, li- I did a little smashing. Some light smashing, my way. but functional smashing. So- yeah, I needed to do it. <laughs> Alvin, have you described to us what the forgetting thing was like, what the black jelly bean was like? Best that I could, yeah. Okay, so did you describe the violin music? Yeah, I okay. think it, he said that by saying he was he was running and then he was transported back to the hollow circus. Gotcha. Okay, so we but know the, that the- Dorian wasn't there. I did. I only saw Cecilia. Right, but the forgetting. But I did hear some violin music. The forgetting thing is clearly linked to Dorian, the tall man. That's I'm not sure. No, oh, I don't. See, I don't I'm think not sure so. if it's actually linked to Dorian per se, because okay. that was to me a mirage, like a memory of an experience in the Hollow Circus. Now, the weird thing was that was Constance's memory of being in the spotlight and getting attacked by Cecilia. Mm-hmm. So that was Constance's memory, which is a little confusing why it was served up to me. But it wasn't like Dorian set up the Hollow Circus in the middle of the street because people could see the Hollow Circus. When it was real. Mm-hmm. This one seemed to be imperceivable to everybody except for me. Yeah, that's weird. So I think whatever this monster memory thing is, it maybe it feeds on memory. There's some something yeah. to do with memory, I think. It's has eating been, them. Maybe it feeds on it. Maybe it's doing something like that. I don't know why it was that particular memory. The trail goes cold there. Well, and we still do have Dorian to worry about. He's out there. Yeah, definitely. Somewhere. Definitely definitely out there. Although yeah. several we got his members number. of the Daylight Society hold out their palms and there's just the vague outline of a red circle on them. Oh. Yeah, what what happened here? What did you agree to? Yeah. 
oh no, these are the original ones. Oh, from yeah, when well, they, they never went help, away. Yeah. So I assume oh. you weren't able to do what the oh, tall right. man asked. Oh right, that was uh, our whole original deal. Is yeah. we do the thing and then everyone's cl- oh look right. we we th- we're pretty sure we can get rid of those marks because we've got the tall man's number, and by number I mean name. And boy, howdy, is that powerful in in that culture? Yeah, and by name he doesn't like that. Yeah, again, this is a I, I'm, I can't find a better use case than Rumpelstiltskin at this point. <laughs> um, but don't yeah, let's not worry about that. We're pretty sure we know how to deal with that. Definitely better than some of the other things we have on the plate. Agreed. Yeah, we at least have an idea and an answer for one of these three things. The memory thing is um, the most concerning to me because uh, if we forget that it's a problem, <laughs> that's a problem. That's true. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the real monster is forgetting, right? Says Jasper. And uh, I think Leon continues. Well, I mean, aside from these, and he gestures again to the mark, things have been kind of quiet here, honestly. I mean, Mayor Chamberlain got the appointment to the the Senate seat. Everyone outside of us was a little surprised. None of us are, given whatever she's mixed up in. But besides that, the cabal has been quiet. The lab's been quiet. Not much to report. I guess the other thing, the third, the third thing, the plague vampire. That's one that definitely has a timer. So we got what six days left. Everyone kind of looks around nervously. Leon, we saw on your murder board been investigating some of these hotspots. One of them you had identified there was in Romania. Is that correct? Yeah, near the Scariswara cave. Yeah, at the caves. I don't suppose in your your research to identify this as a hotspot, you saw any descriptions of activity similar to what we're looking for, the kind of wasting disease, seven days disappearing? Not that specifically, but certainly a higher prevalence of supernatural illnesses. Hmm. I mean, we have to make inferences. Obviously, the ME is not going to just say died of magical disease, but yeah. (laughs) Cave's a spot to investigate, I suppose, but I feel like we need a little more to go on before we just actually use magic to get somewhere. So we've got three distinct problems. We have Dorian, we have the plague vampire, and we have this mind eraser. And not the drink. No, not the drink. Although that does sound pretty good right now, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Any thoughts on how we tackle one of these? This is entirely speculation, but... But Hannah, my theory is that we would probably need to use magic to locate the vampire because yeah. we know how to kill it. Yeah. We just got to mm-hmm. cut its head off like any other vampire. So we don't need magic for that. But, you know, a locating spell of some kind. I don't know yeah. Yeah. how that Well, And if, if, we're, if we're going big magic, we may be better served to flip it a little bit because if the wasting disease is tied to the creature because it goes away when the creature dies so there's some sort of connection between georgiana and this creature Mm. there may be a a way if we're going big magic why don't we do some sort of like summoning portal or something yeah skip the air travel and just like pull on this tether Mm -hmm. yeah Oh, I figured we're doing teleporting. We don't have the money for airplanes. We gotta go teleporting. But this way, we don't have to. No, we we don't go anywhere. We don't have to find it. We just say it comes here because we know where we are. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, and then that's kind of what I was thinking was like do big magic and then do one of the smaller magic spells to like trap it. 
mm-hmm. here. I'll just grab it. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. It's just a vamps. It's just a vamps. That's level one stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the memory thing is currently the pressing thing because we have kind of an answer yeah. with, with Dorian. If he shows up or if we go find him, we can choose to do that. The memory monster was trying to get, I presume, get me or do something with me. It got Kristen. It got mm-hmm. Pax. Mm-hmm. What would be helpful is knowing if there's a reason for its targets, if there are other targets, because we're you know trying to approach this like, the other monsters that we're practiced in in hunting is try mm-hmm. to deduce its patterns. Maybe finding out if anybody else, <laughs> that's a difficult thing to do. No one remembers who they <laughs> forgot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If we forget Jeez. that we forgot, it's a problem. I think we also just want to warn everybody that if you are having, if you feel like you are being watched or followed, you need to come back here as soon as possible because yes. it is safe here. Yes. It is not safe. Like, we can't protect you if it the jelly bean catches you. I go over to where I have a bunch of my canvases and some other things stored, and I pull out just a bucket of Sharpies, and I put it on the table, and I say, everyone, pull out a Sharpie, write your name, the phone number of the studio, and the address of the studio on your arm right now, just in case. Mm-hmm. And I do that yeah, to everybody, myself as well. Everybody grabs a Sharpie and starts going to town on their arms. Writing all the details down. Great. No, I don't need a pen. No, (laughs) no. I'm kidding. That's so unsanitary. I mean, I guess if it heals right away, it's kind of like a whiteboard. You've made your own whiteboard. (laughs) Yeah, it's etch a sketch. Disgusting. Yeah, it's more like a flesh of sketch. I like carve into my arm and then I I wave my arm around a bit and it clears. Basically, yes. I just want to note Quinn's amazing joke there. Flesh flesh of sketch. Flesh of sketch. Very good. Oh, God. Beautiful. Right past me. That is good. Flesh of sketch or is it like etch a flesh? Flesh of sketch. Yeah. First one's better. Yeah. Um, Okay. I take two Sharpies. Uh, Tall man's going to surprise me at some point. I would prefer to get this taken care of before we deal with the vampire because I don't want it hanging over me. And I have a feeling that there's going to be some kind of resolution to this that is not going to be super great for me. But the alternative is we start doing some vampire hunting and Dorian shows up at an extremely inopportune time. Okay. So, JR, you want to tackle Dorian? That sounded slightly weird. You want to tackle your Dorian problem. Yes. There you go. Oh, yes. also tackle Dorian. Yeah. I mean, I would like to kill him. So that's part of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think the memory monster is top of mind for Alvin and his whole experience that he went through felt like a bending, a warping of of reality. And you remember Sarah had just found out about a particular Imagine Labs VR experience unveiling and his going back to the hollow circus felt nothing if not like a VR experience. So I think Alvin is going mm-hmm. to, uh, wants to go investigate Imagine Labs. Oh, dip. Kristen's not with us. She forgot everything mm-hmm. and she works at Imagine Labs. <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> I'm going to Imagine Labs. I'll take Leon or Sarah if they want to come along. Yeah, I, in fact, I think Sarah insists, in fact, on accompanying <laughs> you after hearing about your experience just now. She won't let you go alone. Yeah, and with two hues, nothing going to get us. <laughs> Constance? I think I will take the opportunity while everyone's kind of following leads 
to uh, go talk to my mom, kind of check in since I got back and also, oh boy, I don't know exactly what I'm going to say or how I'm going to say it, but prepare her uh, for the mind fuck that will be her her sister. Okay. I assume that's probably just you or are you going to bring anybody (laughs) with you? Oh, I don't want to burden anybody with my family. Good God. (laughs) What a terrible idea that would be. Um, No, no, no. No, I'll go alone. Okay. And JR? What I would like to do is first take the piece of paper that we have of Dorian's true name, and uh, I'm going to write that on my arm in Sharpie. And then I will also take the paper as well in case for some reason, I don't know, he shows up with like acetone and the permanent marker (laughs) rubs off entirely. So that's what I'd like to do. And my guess for where I can find him is going to be the moonscape. Is anyone coming with you? I don't know. Sidekick. Um, oh, God. Sidekick. <laughs> but wait, if you make it known that you're going to go deal with Dorian, don't you think Leon would want to come and, and oh, help fuck up, fuck up Dorian and just yeah. like True. really put him on blast for everything that he put Leon through? <laughs> I don't want my torpy sidekick to get hurt. I mean, I'll tell folks, like, look, this is what I'm doing. I am not going to be upset if nobody wants to come with me. I would like a lot of snacks when I get back because I'm going to be real tired. And it's not, I don't think this is going to go super well. But if there are people who want to come with me, I also can't guarantee that I'm going to be able to keep you safe. So with all of that said, is there anybody who would like to drive me to the moonscape? <laughs> JR, it is crickets from the Daylight <gasps> no Society. Leon? Yeah. Leon is looking straight down at the floor. Oh. Wow. However, one person raises their hand. And it is Agent Pax. <gasps> Wait, what? Oh, hell yeah. They look at you and say, I'm frankly quite bored sitting here. Sounds like... (laughs) Yes, get the team back together again. I don't really understand what all is going on, but if you need a partner, I'm happy to oblige. This is the weirdest team up ever, and I'm super fucking into it. I'm so... (laughs) Quinn, Quinn, I am so into this right now. This is fucking dope. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Jar's like, I shrug and I'm like, all right, let's go get uh, the Black Beauty. I think she's still <laughs> mostly running. I can't remember the last time I had to drive her. We had a run in with a large artistic bison. So um, <laughs> I get. Yeah, let's let's go hit up the moonscape. I just want to say there's an image in my head where you're heading out. And you tell Pax, and you're like, make sure you bring your gun. And Pax is like, what? I don't have it. And feels it in there on their hip. Like, how did you know? And I look back and yeah, I go. that's absolutely how it happens. I go. <laughs> yeah. Magic. <laughs> some jazz there. Yep. Hey, folks. Quinn here. Thanks so much for tuning into episode 41 of Monster Hour. And more importantly, congratulations on making it to the year 2021. 2020 is well and truly and finally over. 
The world isn't magically going to become a better place overnight and there's still plenty of work to do, but closing the page on that monster of a year is definitely a start. So, cheers. As always, I want to thank everyone who's been helping spread the word about the show by leaving us a rating and review, giving us a shout on social media, and recommending the show to a friend. We hit 20,000 downloads over the holidays, which is absolutely rad as hell, and it wouldn't be possible without all of your help. So, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Don't forget that if you tweet about the show using hashtag MonsterHourPod, you might wind up with a character named after you. We've got one coming up in the second half here, named after Ada Karen Black on Twitter, and likely several more this new arc. So now's the perfect time to fire up that bird app and get tweeting. I also want to give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporters, Ella and Saro. A big thank you to Ella, Saro, and all of our patrons for supporting the show and helping us bring you awesome bonus content. In case you missed the preview on our feed last week, we just released our first exclusive one-shot, a Brandusa backstory episode featuring special guest Susanna Lewis from Thornvale. If that sounds like your jam, now's the perfect time to join Ella and Saro in backing us on Patreon. Our spooky spotlight this week is Untitled Dice Game, a fellow Monster of the Week podcast where agents of the Department of Deliverance keep ordinary people safe from the things that go bump in the night. Howdy listeners, I'm Chris, the friendly neighborhood keeper from Untitled Dice Game, here to tell you about our actual play Monster of the Week podcast. It features a group of hunters with strange talents who've been recruited by a secretive government agency to fight monsters. Each week we release a new episode packed with improvised humor, horror, and enough bad decisions to derail a train. Find us at UntitledDiceGame.com or search us out wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all I've got for you this week, folks. We'll be back with episode 42 of Monster Hour on January 19th. See you then. Alvin, you and Sarah make your way across town to Firmament College, to the Computer Science Engineering Hall, where Imagine Labs is located. Tell me about your approach. I think our first angle is to just go in interested in about the VR experience that's coming in a couple days. Okay. I mean, we learned about it. Sarah at least knows details about it that we could use to seem like we're enthusiasts and we are hoping for a, for a tour. Maybe we can go in. Ooh, yeah. Maybe we go in and we're like, we run an influential brother-sister YouTube tech review YouTube channel. <laughs> and we are excited about this new opportunity for clicks. Amazing. What is Love your channel it. called? Um, <laughs> uh, the channel is called, oh man, I'm trying to come up with the rhyme, Two Hues and Some News. I like that. <laughs> Two Hues Tech News. Two Hues Tech News. <gasps> yeah. Oh, there yeah. it is. Yeah. Yep. Love it. There goes the dynamite. Yep. <laughs> okay. Two Hues Tech News. Two Hues Tech News. So you head inside. I think it's late afternoon. Uh, so the labs are open, although most of the classes are, are wrapping up. You head through the computer science engineering building until you reach Imagine Labs, the cloistered off glass paneled uh, lab building. And through the glass doors, you can see several computer terminals. You can also see several sort of workstations, but uh, all of it seems to be powered down for the day. There is nobody there right now. Well, honestly, having nobody here is a better outcome than what Alvin was going to panic and blurt out. So I think say, okay, this is this is good. We can try to sneak in, right? Yeah. I mean, let's just let's just go in. You can just go in, right? Let's go. Let's just go in. 
the doors, I presume, are locked. <laughs> yes. The sliding glass doors do not slide. Uh, as you approach the door, I'm going to give you an oops. <gasps> yes! You probably would have noticed this anyway, but I'm going to call it an oops regardless. No, it's because of my keen detective eyes. There are two pieces of paper taped to the door. The first is a broad note that just says, Imagine Labs testing and tech facility. Please direct media inquiries to the press office at the Colorado National Laboratory. I have the press office of the National Lab. Well, in another life, Sarah, there's still a chance for two huge tech news to really bust open this whole story. The second piece of paper is a job posting at Imagine Labs. Oh, shit. They have an unexpected and unplanned vacancy, and they need someone to fill immediately their chief coding and hardware engineer director. Mm-hmm. A position, Alvin, you know. Well, it's Kristen's. Yep. I'm starting to think that this monster isn't just a monster, but might be some sort of directed thing. If there is something that they're afraid people learn. Kristen got whammied. She was working here. Her position needs filling immediately. Probably turn around for the VR event. Pax asks a lot of questions. And I just went and talked to Kristen. Okay. I take a picture of the papers. Okay. And give Sarah a little thumbs up and say, okay, start looking for other doors or hinges or windows or something. And I start. Can I actually get fingernails kind of in the sliding door and just try to pull it open? Sure. I won't, I'm not trying to just like break it apart. I'm trying to test to see how strong it really is closed. Oh, I mean, you could force this thing open if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, can I take a look to see if there's any obvious alarms attached to it? Sure. Give me a roll to investigate a mystery. Okay. Nope. Three. Uh, it's a hard, it's hard move time. And, you know, it's arc six, so I think you're investigating this door, and you pull it slightly, and a alarm starts to go off. Just loud, blaring alarm. And we could just, like, back off, wait for people to come check it out, and then nothing's there, and then come back and try again? But it kind of feels like the trail runs cold as soon as people show up here. What do you do? Jeezy Pete's. No, I don't think I'd pry the door open. There's no, no no idea what's in there or how big it is or how fast people are going to show up. So I think I yelled at Sarah and be like, cheese it. <laughs> I think we want to run quickly to like uh, the nearest little study lounge and pretend to be students. Okay, give me a roll to act under pressure. Super duper. This is not weird, unfortunately. Absolutely not. That's a f- dang four. Sarah, you help it. Oh, it's still a four. Well, I leveled yeah. up. I leveled up, Quinn. What an episode. Uh, (laughs) I think what happens is, Alvin, you and Sarah tear off through the halls, and we, the audience, as you take a turn down one of these halls, see a security camera with a red light (laughs) flashing. (laughs) Smile, and the two of you sprint by. Jr. You and Pax are going to go confront Dorian. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your approach. First, we stop and get a snack. It's very important. You need to, you <laughs> need to, um, very crucial for everybody out there who's haunting monsters. You need to be well hydrated and you need to not be hungry. You go into a fight hungry and you make bad decisions. So I think we do a, a Starbucks drive through first. 
Okay. And then once we've got coffee and I've got a, a toasted cheese Danish, we're going to drive out to the moonscape. And I've got on one arm the name. On the other arm, I've got written down how to say it. And in my pocket, I have the original. And I expect that, and you'll tell me how this plays out, is that I need to go back to where we were in the moonscape when he, like, opened the door to otherwhere. So you may recall, that's actually where you landed back originally, and Dorian wasn't there. Oh, where did we go But you reached the, not the trailhead, but you reached the entrance to the park. And in the visitor's board, there is a small envelope pinned to the corkboard. That says simply JR. Great. And it's sealed in red wax. Great. All right. Okay. I go get the envelope. I shake it a little bit. Does it seem magic y? I'm not quite sure how you could tell just by shaking it. Does it does it, <laughs> it goes, smell magic y? I give it I give it a good sniff. Uh no, it just seems like a normal envelope. Okay. All right. Okay. Albeit consistent with the ones that Dorian has given you previously. Right. Okay. I'm going to very carefully open the envelope. You open it and it explodes. No. Um, the end. No. You open the envelope and nothing happens. Inside is a single sheet of paper. Uh-huh. It's a short missive that reads simply, JR and crew. <laughs> if you're reading this, I can only assume that you've arrived back home successfully. Congratulations. Good job. Come find me at the stacks when it's done so that we can resolve our business. D. The stacks? The stacks was the coffee shop that you met uh, Dorian at in the beginning of the third mystery. It seemed like that's the place where he likes to hang out. I don't like this. There's going to be other people around. Yeah, is that on campus? Yeah. Uh, it is just off campus. Just but off yeah. Campus. Oh, I don't like this. All right. Let's get back in the car. Coffee's starting to Pax, wear off. Pax looks at you and they're like, are you okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm making, I'm making, you know the face I'm making. It's kind of like, like pouty, pouting yeah, noises, yeah. pouting face. Man, I thought I was going to be all clever. That's uh, fine. It's fine. It's fine. We got to go to another location, which I'm not thrilled about because there's going to be people there and we should try to not let them get hurt. Okay. I will endeavor to do that. Yep, you should. I mean, that's like good advice for life generally. Yes. <laughs> Try not to hurt other people. It's one of my general depends. rules. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the situation. A lot of, lot of situational ethics that JR has to deal with from time to time that we don't need to get into now. But, okay, we gotta, let's go to this, let's go to the fucking stacks. Um, I'm gonna... I'm going to probably, I know Constance is on her way to talk to her mom. I'm probably going to give her a call and just say, I don't know if I'm going to get a hold of her, but if I do, I'm going to tell her what's going on and then I'm heading over to the stacks. Okay. Yeah, you let her know. The two of you get back in Black Beauty Mm -hmm. and head back into town. On your way there, I think Pax on the way out was pretty quiet, but on the way back, they say, so what's the deal with this Dorian guy? (laughs) <laughs> Seems to have caused some consternation for you and your friends. Mm-hmm. So he's a supernatural being 
that used to live in another dimension and left because he didn't think it was cool enough and he thought everybody was super lame And then as it turns out, he was wrong. It's cool to be square and he wants <laughs> to go back. And the way he does that is by making people promises and like using the magic from a promise with a, a human being, making a pact with them. Oh, he's Faye. Oh. Yeah. Oh. How did you know that? And they kind of shake their head and they're like, I don't, I don't know. I, huh. I seem mm-hmm. to know, I guess, more than I thought. Yeah. Muscle memory from being on the FBI aberrant events division. Yeah. <laughs> and as you may have noticed, and I hold my hand up so that there's the red circle, we made a pact and I need to get out of that. How did you get mixed up in all of this, JR? You know, that is a really long story, and I will tell it to you after we take care of Dorian. (laughs) Fair enough. Just good to know who you're working with. So the two of you arrive at the Stacks. It's getting late in the afternoon at this point. But the Stacks is, is open late as it serves students and their late night studying habits, so you head inside. It's not immediately clear where Dorian is, but you do recall last time you met him in the far back. Yeah. I don't like this, Quint. I really don't like this. I don't like this. <laughs> Hannah, at all. Hannah, I don't know I don't know what you're worried about, Hannah. Oh, I don't like this. Okay. Um, how many people are in the stacks? Like how busy is it right now? The front section where most of the tables are concentrated, there's some people there. There's probably like a dozen folks. The back areas where there are more bookshelves and sort of creating not quite labyrinthian, but corners and pockets and back areas, it's more sparse. Yeah, I think I'm going to like, with packs behind me, I'm going to make my way back towards where we last had coffee with Dorian when we thought he was just just a run-of-the-mill asshole. Yeah, simpler times. Yeah, remember those days, guys? I mean, just like, oh, Leon's boyfriend's stupid. That was, good. Uh, that was good times. I like that. So you and Pax make your way back through the bookcases to the far back of the stacks. And seated at the same table, you see Dorian. Mm-hmm. His perfectly coiffed red hair, his fine suit. He's reading a copy of Utopia. And he looks up at you and smiles. JR, it's been a minute. Have a seat. I think I'll stand. It's fine. Not planning to be here long anyway. Oh, good. I take it that our business is resolved then? In a manner of speaking. Is it done? I'm not going to get any closer to him because I don't want to. But <laughs> I, I look at him and I go, we found out exactly what Otherware is about, and you're going to take this off of my hand. <sighs> That's inconvenient. And you notice that the mild din of the stacks, people sort of chatting quietly and shots being pulled and the low murmur of conversation has all stopped. You know, I seem to recall we had a certain agreement struck, JR. We did have an agreement. 
And then I changed the terms. <laughs> because the thing is, Dorian, that's not your name, is it? Names have power, don't they? Real names. My name isn't J.R. That's the name I tell everybody, but that's not my real name. You tell everybody your name is Dorian, but that's not your real name, is it? This is your real His name. narrow. I lean in. You're going to go far away from here because your real name, Dorian, it's weary but wakened, a light on the reverie of once was and may yet be. Nay, the master of rings encircling and straying the hollow masses. Nay, the besotted, hunted, veiled in oil and parchment. Nay, a wash in indulgence, suspended in levity, weightless of being. Nay, the contrarian, unbowed and prideful in the face of unknown calamity. Truest to themselves, the sublimely intemperate Montebank who plays the world as their fiddle, and you are breaking this pact. All around you, the sound of the cafe returns to normal. And Dorian sits up very straight and eyes you with very thin, narrow eyes and says, You have my attention. Take this off of my hand and break the packs that you have made with the people in this town. Very well. I will release you from your agreement. I will release everyone in this town from their agreements. And you will never see or hear from me again. Provided that you burn my true name from your mind. I mean, I'm assuming that's going to be some kind of magic on your part because, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how to burn something from my mind. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's the deal. Dorian stands up, walks over to you, and holds out his hand in a completely normal fashion. Nothing <laughs> supernatural. It doesn't extend out. His movements are utterly ordinary all right um i shake his hand the ink on your arm vanishes the piece of paper goes up in flames and the circle on your palm disappears wow okay i can't say it's been a pleasure jr yeah i can't really say the same either it's a mark of a good negotiation. Both parties walk away a little unhappy. Indeed. And lucky for you, I have a new plan. <laughs> Great seeing you again, Agent Pax. And he nods towards Pax, who looks confused, puts his hands in his pockets, and slowly walks out of the stacks. Let's jump to Constance. What it do? <laughs> it's a weird energy coming from Constance tonight. <laughs> Constance, look, Constance is trying out new greetings. You know, you always want to be flexible and update your lexicon. So, uh, so Constance, you are headed to go meet up with your mom. You know, it's the middle of the day on a weekday, so she's going to be at work at the Colorado National Laboratory. All right. I bring my Instagram backpack. I think that's it. Yeah, and I okay. head out. You drive across town, and you reach the Colorado National Laboratory in its gleaming, resplendent, modernist glory, and uh, you, you head inside. All right. 
One thing you notice immediately upon entry is there is a very large sign for Imagine Labs. And you notice that off to the left, there is a display area with a encased in glass, but a very sleek, stylish looking VR headset. Ooh, I take a peek. I'm also trying to procrastinate a little bit. This is not going to be a fun experience with my mom, so kind of want to check it out. I want to like see if I could potentially put it on. <laughs> we'll see. It does look like it's available for demo or perhaps it would be soon, perhaps for a launch event coming up. Uh, but currently there's no one there and it is it is locked up for the day. And there's there's nobody around. Uh, no, you're in the main lobby of the Colorado National Lab. So in addition to this, there's the reception area, there's the coffee stand. Uh, and so there's the receptionist, there's a few people, okay. um, you know, getting some some snacks and treats. And there's just some people filtering mostly out because it's nearing the end of the day, but a few people coming in as well. So no, you're you're definitely not alone. Okay, okay. But it's blocked up behind glass. It's yeah, not. this this okay. particular display is is unattended, but you are not unattended. More broadly. Right. I like backtrack a little bit to the receptionist and I go, just curious, what's up with the uh, the VR headset? What's that about? Oh, you haven't heard? It's no. it's very exciting. Oh, do tell. Well, Imagine Labs, the commercialization project that Augie Vall has been working on, one of our, our most brilliant scientists here in partnership with Firmament College is getting ready to launch. They've got a, a groundbreaking VR technology. You know, it's really exciting for your average, you know, user. It's compatible with most mobile devices and you can just sort of hook it up and go. It's the the latest cutting edge like like Oculus or anything else, but the real exciting piece is the BCI, the brain control interface. So, you can actually Sorry, the what? The BCI, the brain control interface. So, there's a cranial dome that you can get it hooked up to and it actually will map your thought processes as they align with different images. And so if you have the proper equipment and, and time to sort of train the device to match your, your brainwaves, you can actually control the device just with your mind. Oh, boy. Okay, we're on some like Elon Musk level brain Elon Musk is trash. Augie Vall is a genius. <laughs> no, agreed there. Agreed. Okay. Wow, that sounds indeed very groundbreaking and also super unsafe. Is my mom working on this, by the way? She never oh, tells me what she's doing. I'm sorry, who's your mom? Doing. Uh, Magdalena? Magdalena Rodescu? Yeah, that's my mom. Your is she working is on the, this? Your mother is the president of the Colorado National Lab. I mean, she's overseeing all of it. This project, everything in the lab. That's right. And I'm glad that you know it. You know, sometimes women don't get the credit they deserve for their contributions. Agreed. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, someone who works here, and I know it's going to be hard for you to give me a real answer because I, I did tell you I was her daughter. But in the X amount of time that she's been president, you would say how many time intervals now? <laughs> she looks at you and she looks kind of confused. Uh, and then she looks almost embarrassed, and she's like, uh, I'm not actually sure. It's been a little while, though, I think. Good, good, yes, uh, okay. In the amount of time that she's been the president, how do you feel about her? How do you feel that she's handling this project and, you know, the other... What are the other projects I'm trying to remember right now? There's this one, and then there's the other ones. <laughs> 
I think you can talk to your mother about the projects. I'm the receptionist. I don't work with her ever, but she seems well-liked and competent. Well, that's very kind of you to say. You know, uh, as the receptionist, I I think uh, you're not giving yourself enough credit. You see everyone who walks in and out of here, all the little conversations that they have when they think that you're not paying attention. I know how it is. I was a receptionist at a vet clinic for a little bit. Boy, did I overhear some wild stuff. Well, uh, people are perhaps more discreet at the National Lab here, but by all accounts, seems to be well-liked and respected. Great. Good to know. Great talking to you. Sorry, I didn't catch your name. My name's Ada. Hi, Ada. Nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you as well. I'm going to go see my mom, the president, now. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, I'll let her administrative assistant know. Oh, no, no, no. I want to surprise her. I've been out of town for a while, and I know that she was really worried about me being gone. I kind of want to give her a quick little jolt of that family excitement. I don't know what that means. I just, I want to surprise her. Give me a roll to manipulate someone. (laughs) Constance is so bad at playing it cool. Oh, good God. That's a four. Ada looks at you and says, I have to let her know. I can't actually let you back until I do. Here's an idea. What if you tell her I'm someone else? (laughs) She picks up the phone, punches a few (laughs) quick numbers, and says... Director Radescu's daughter is here to see her. Constance. Great. Uh, and she looks at you and says, uh, you can head on back now. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> I get it, Ada. I do. I also have been very strange to you. I'm so sorry. I'm a little... I'm just dealing with some other stuff going on. Don't worry about it. Okay. Well, I hope you have a nice reunion with your mother. Don't we all? <laughs> all right. Now I walk back. You head back. I think you have to follow some signs because you don't actually know where the president's office is. Nope. But eventually, after some searching, you make it there. It is quite a fine and one might even say resplendent office. And you step through the sliding glass door and see your mother standing behind a resolute oak desk. When I look around this room, does this look like my mom has decorated? Like, is there a nameplate? Does Is there any like... Plants that are very my mom. Is there any of your art on the wall? Yeah, or pictures or anything. I do think that there is one of your paintings hanging up. Aw. Okay. And by all accounts, it looks like it is your mother's office. Okay. So either she's a fast decorator or she's been here at least a little bit. As I walk in, I say, good to see you, president. She looks at you in, in shock and stands up and says... Constance, my my dear. And she rushes over to you and gives you a a kind of serious hug. And she says, Constance, my dear, I, I have not I haven't seen nor heard from you in, in almost two months. What has happened? I've been worried sick about you. I'm sorry. To be honest, I didn't know if I was gonna be coming back, and it just felt wrong to promise you anything less when I didn't know. But Constance, I know that we have had our disagreements, but I thought we had turned over a new leaf, my dear. Me disappearing was just something I I, I had to help a friend. And I didn't want to lie to you. And you were going to ask if I was going to be okay. And I honestly wasn't going to know the answer to that. So I... uh, What happened? Where did you go? I'll get to that. That's part of the reason why I'm here. But real quick... Congratulations on the promotion? 
yes, it's uh, it's very exciting. The opportunity came about. I thought I would throw my hat in the ring, and there it went. Well, I'm I'm very look. It, you deserve it. I'm just a little startled because I mean, I yes, I was gone for a bit, but not that long. What um what happened to Doctor Nassim Tamina? Who? Hmm. The person who had this job before you. Constance, I have had this position for several years now. What? Hmm. So wait, then why were... How do I want to phrase this? Why did it seem like no big deal when I said congrats on the promotion? (laughs) (laughs) What? So then what did you think I was congratulating you for? I don't know that you ever actually did congratulate me on my promotion. (laughs) Uh, Fair. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Thought better late than never. Okay, well, you are my mom. That passive aggressive was right on point. Um, I say I say that under my breath. I'm like, oh well, yeah. Well, at least you are my mom. Um, yeah, a couple of years now. Who who had this position before you? Do you remember? She looks at you and and she kind of looks confused for a second. Shakes her head and says, "I seem to have forgotten their name. Um, I'm sure there's a record of it somewhere." Yeah, like in a in a records room. You guys keep print records, right? Not just digital? Of course, yes. Great. Just good to know. (laughs) I'm sorry that I never congratulated you when it happened. I am very proud of you. I I noticed the VR set on my way in. It looks like that's almost ready to launch, huh? Uh, Yes, Dr. Vall's project. It is uh, very exciting. We are very excited. It should be a great day for the lab. And the world, really. The applications are, are limitless. Such as? And I like sit down like I'm just trying to have a casual conversation with my mom. Well, I mean, most people think about gamification, but there's plenty of opportunities for medical treatment, for sharing of information and conveying of ideas, for education. I mean, the applications are so broad, it it strains human imagination. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, (laughs) um, And I assume that being the director that you've tried it? Of course, dear. How many people have gotten to try it? Like, is this something I could sign up for? Is this just people in the lab? Like, who's had the opportunity to test run it so far? Only a few folks have had the opportunity to test the BCI interface. It's a complicated setup, but I could certainly get you in to test the rest of the module. Sure. I'm just curious. I mean, you said it was complicated. Who's had the chance to actually do it? Who else could tell me about what the BCI experience was like? It's primarily Dr. Vall. You know, dear, if you had just gone to the interview, you could have been involved in this very project. <laughs> you know, I'm already regretting not going to that meeting. You and me both, dear. You and me both. Well, yeah, I get that. I'm sorry again about that. I know I know it's tough on you to see me live a very different life than you do. Well, I worry about you, dear, but I think it'll I think it'll all be okay. I hope so. Um Well, I did come here with a reason. I've been procrastinating here on how exactly, what exactly I want to say to you about this. So I know that this is going to be hard to hear for a couple of reasons. The first one is that you're not going to believe me. And if you do believe me, you very well might be angry with me because I'm going to tell you that I can't give you more answers right this second, but I want you to have the time to sit with what I'm going to tell you and think about it before you make any decisions. And I know you're not going to want to hear that, but I think it's only fair to give you 
the chance to process what I'm going to tell you before you make any decisions, okay? My dear, I really wish you would just um, get to the point. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm really building this up. I just, it's, it's going to be a, like an explosive bomb. Okay. I was in a parallel universe of sorts. I went there because I made a promise to some friends and to keep them safe, I had to go there and fulfill a commitment. But in the course of being there, I ran into someone and I brought them back with me. They are in firmament right now. I won't tell you where yet, but and then I like look her straight in the eye and I try to have the most like She's looking kind of exasperated back at you. I know. Like, come on, get it over with. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why are you drawing this out so much? Because I know how big it's going to be. Um, And with like the most persuasive look on my face that I could possibly have to have her believe me, I say, I found Georgiana and I brought her home with me. She stares you dead in the eyes and says, my dear, if this is some sort of joke or new performative art i really do not not appreciate it it's not a joke she wants to see you she's in town my sister has been missing for almost 40 years i know she's in town then where her if this is true my dear then why is she not here and what on earth she didn't leave you or boonie or bunelu out of any malice She was very, very badly hurt. She was attacked. And I know you don't want to hear it, but she was attacked by a thing. One of those things that Boonie would always go after. And instead of dying, she was given the opportunity, essentially, to go to an alternate universe where her wounds would be healed. And that happened. And that is where she has been. And I know this is a lot to take in. I know that this is a story that you don't like to believe or think about. And I know that your relationship with Boonie is very different than mine was, but that's what happened to her. And I brought her back and I made her two promises. First, I told her that I would help her get better because the moment she landed back on this plane of existence, that life-threatening situation came right back up. So I promised her I would help her. And then I promised her that I would get her to you. That is the only reason she's here, is to see you. But she doesn't want to see you until she's better. I can't sit here knowing that your sister is in town and you don't know that, which is why I'm here against her wishes to tell you this. And this is where it's going to be very hard for you because I'm asking you to sit on that information, to believe me. You come believe here. Me you come here after two months. Wait. No call, no text, nothing to tell me where you are or how you're doing. And you come telling me that my sister, who's been gone for 40 years, has been living in an alternate dimension after being attacked by a monster. And you come to tell me that she is back, but she won't see me. And she doesn't want me to know that she's here, but you want to tell me, but I can't see her. Well, Constance, this Not has until she's better. been interesting. If what you say is true, I don't know what to say, but until then, I think that you should leave. I'm not leaving yet, and you can kick me out, and that's fine, but I need you to hear me. I have heard plenty. I am going to fix what is wrong with her. I'm going to do that as quickly as possible. That may take a couple of days. That may take a week. That may take a month. I don't know, 
But the moment I do, I'm walking her up to your door. So I need you to be ready to see your sister again. And by the way, to be ready to see your sister again, the way that she was, she has not aged. And I feel like you deserve to know all that because if she just shows up at your door in a month and you don't know any of this, I just don't think that's fair. I would welcome my sister back with open arms, no matter what. Great. But until then, I... This is a tall tale to bring in. I know. Someone who's already dealing with a lot. Why are you already dealing with a lot? If you were here, Constance, maybe you would know. Ooh. Well, I'm so sorry that I was busy saving the lives of my friends and also, by the way, finding your sister. How terrible of me to be gone for a couple of months to deal with that. I mean, I do gotta say, I think I'm on your mom's side, Constance. A little bit. <laughs> about not telling her? Well, about like, hey, your sister's back, but you can't see her. It's fine. Um, Just a little bit. I think Magda turns and goes and sits down at her desk and starts looking at some papers on it. I just briefly touch her shoulder, and then I say, I'm sorry. I know that you're mad at me, and I, that's okay with me. It would be unforgivable for me to sit with her for God knows how long without you knowing that. And you can continue to be mad at me forever for that. That's okay. I love you. And I walk out. As you walk out, you hear the door shut behind you, and you make your way out of the lab. I think most folks are leaving at this point, and you head back to your car. And as you close the door, you feel something watching you from the back seat. Oh! Shit! Shit! Shit!